Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. Today we have a fun episode. I'm really, really excited for you guys to meet our guests because we are going to learn so much great practical information today. We are going to take things that feel hard and we're going to strip them down and make them simple and easy to understand. Maybe not always easy to implement, but easy to understand so we can be motivated and focused on meeting our health goals. So I'm really excited for you today to be listening. Uh, Our special guest today, her name is Mackenzie Holdneck. We're actually going to call her Coach Mac because that's what she goes by. So Coach Mac is the founding health coach of Running With Bacon. Yes, that's actually the name of her business, which I think is just awesome, by the way. And she is obsessed with healthy habits. Coach Max helps women transform into their fittest and strongest they can be one small step at a time. Have you heard the news? We started a brand new membership program called My Nutrition Coach, and you're invited to join. At Bodymetrics, most of our clients come to us through their medical health insurance plan. Unfortunately, most insurances don't offer enough sessions to see big results. And some plans, they don't cover nutrition services at all. At Bodymetrics, we are passionate about helping our clients see results and making nutrition accessible to everyone. That's why we created My Nutrition Coach, a program that offers education and accountability between one-on-one sessions and an affordable option for those without coverage. Inside the membership, you'll get access to weekly teachings, nutrition-focused goals to work on, recipes, a private community page for support, a video resource library, and an opportunity to ask questions to a real dietitian. This helpful program is available right now for only $9.99 a month, or $99 if you sign up annually. But it's important to us to make sure we're a good fit for you, so we're offering a special 30-day start your free 30-day trial, simply go to bodymetricshealth.com and click on the programs tab. There you will see my nutrition coach. Simply click for more information and to join. We can't wait to see you inside the membership. Coach Mac, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. I knew instantly when we were talking about if, you know, we would be a good fit for an episode and you were totally my vibe. And I was like, this is going to be such a fun conversation. So really happy to be here. And of course, love talking all things, health, nutrition, exercise, and especially how to get there, how to, how to get to be our healthiest selves. So before we go into anything, even before I ask you to tell us a little bit about you, I want to know how you got your title where where did bacon and running, how did the two of them come together into one sentence? <laughs> so I was thinking of what did I want my business to be called? And I knew it had to be something fun because health, usually when we think of getting healthy, it's kind of 
the things that come to mind instantly are things that usually suck. You know, we think about having to go on a diet or having to go for runs all the time if we hate running and it's all stuff that just doesn't sound like fun. And I was like, so it has, I knew my name had to be fun. So I was like, that's my coaching style. If it's not fun, even I don't want to do it. And I actually had newly come to love running my pretty much my whole life. I hated it because I was never in shape. I never felt good at it. And I kept telling myself I'm not a runner and I hate it, but I actually found it to be this really mental kind of almost like a therapy, a form of therapy. And I love being out in nature. So I had really come into my running stride, pun intended. Um, and then I knew obviously health stuff, there has to be the nutrition component as much as I love the fitness aspect of it. And that's kind of my forte the nutrition, I mean, you know, it's, it's super important, but again, I don't think that it has to be just like rabbit food and stuff that we think of like that tastes like cardboard. I was like, you can eat bacon, you can be healthy, all this stuff. And I love bacon. So I just was kind of mulling things over and it just kind of hit me that I was like running with bacon and I envisioned this little like cartoon girl, you know, actually running and dangling bacon in front of her face. And I like, so I just took a couple of days to think it over. And I was like, do I really want people's invoices to say running with bacon? I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I do. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because let's be honest, running with a carrot in front of us and running with bacon in yes. front of us, definitely more people are going to be motivated by the bacon than the carrot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I just had that picture in my head. Um, no, I love that. So Coach Mac, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got to this space. I know you kind of mentioned you, you have a love for fitness, but how did you get involved in all of this? I do. So growing up, I was really into sports. I was a huge tomboy and I knew, and I have a family history of obesity and I knew I wanted to somehow take my love of sports and transition that into a career. So I chose to study exercise science for my degree. And I decided I actually I tore my ACL my senior year of high school and going through that whole rehab process while I, it was great. It was a great experience. I had, you know, good trainers, good physical therapists. I decided then that I wanted to be more on the preventative side of things and help get stronger, get faster, train athletes to be the, you know, strong and powerful and perform their best. So I actually started out kind of my journey being a strength and conditioning coach for a division one college here in the States. And I realized though, that I loved helping these female athletes be their strongest and most powerful selves because they were so celebrated for it. And then I was like, but why can't all women do that? You know, why is it that, you know, mom bringing the groceries in can't be like, Oh, I feel strong. Like being able to carry five bags of groceries in, you know, stuff like that. And so it took a few kind of iterations of figuring out how I wanted to go about doing it, but landed here, health coaching and helping women do just that. And, and kind of hoping to defy some of the health industry stereotypes that are out there. So um, that's kind of my professional, how I got here, but I stay active. I've got a Belgian Malinois puppy. So for the dog lovers out there, they are so high energy and she keeps me on my toes, even on days I don't want to. <laughs> so that helps. But then, yeah, I still like Reese's cups and I'm a real housewives junkie. You know, it's, it's funny when we think of our health coaches and and people in the fitness and health and wellness industry, it's almost like we don't seem like real people. I'm like, no, I eat, I eat lots of cheesecake. I eat lots of bacon. You know, there's Reese's, all that stuff, but it's just, you know, in moderation. So I like all the good stuff too. Yes. Yeah. I get that question. Like, do you eat dessert? I'm like, oh, oh yes, I do. In fact, it's my favorite. Yes. <laughs> um, last night, my oldest son, he had a, um, 
what is it called? Like for his school, a fundraiser for his cross country team at the local mm-hmm. ice cream shop. So I put a post out yeah, on our social yeah. media. Hey, come support the cross country team by, you know, getting a cone at, at the ice cream shop. And who were like, um, I never expected you to say this. And I'm like, well, I'm still a person. I'm still a mom. Like I got right. to support my kid. And so, but I think it's all about how you look at things, right? Where if it's, and we're going to talk more about that as well as we dive into some of these conversations. But, you know, it's this almost like this air of, oh, they never eat anything unhealthy and they only eat, breathe, sleep, exercise. And and no, we're humans first and foremost. Um, and and we get it. We get all the struggles. We just might have a couple different thoughts and we'd be happy. We want to share those thoughts with you so exactly. you can adopt it. So, yes. So true. all right. So doing the preventative thing. So Coach Mac, your philosophy is small incremental changes. And so that's what I really want to focus on today because we hear this all the time. Just take small steps. Why do we struggle with this concept? It's not hard to understand, but it's hard to implement. Yes, it is. And part of it, I think, is how we're wired. And part of it, I think, is that the kind of the fitness influencer or the fitness industry and health industry in general has taken advantage of the fact that we're a little bit wired that way and tried to sell us even more on it. So I think kind of we're getting it from both angles. Um, but I think that traditional approach, basically going, you know, zero to hundred and flipping, doing a 180 overnight is just setting us up for failure and it's doing us such a disservice. And if we can get comfortable with the idea that it's going to take longer than we want, then these little changes, if we can convince ourselves to just have the patience, I know we were talking about this before we press record that patience is the number one thing, but man, those small steps really are the way that we do behavior change. It's not necessarily the way our brain wants us to change. You know, we want results overnight. We're human. We want the quick fix. Give me the easiest way. I want the results yesterday, make it happen. But the actual way we're going to get there the fastest is kind of like slow and steady wins the race. So it's, it's really counterintuitive to how we traditionally think about it. And then again, all these marketing messages that we're getting selling like, oh, this, you know, six week program drop 10 pounds in 10 days, like all this stuff. And so it's almost reinforcing that if we don't get, you know, ripped in six weeks or drop 10 pounds in 10 days, there's something wrong with us that we're the failure and it's not true at all. We've, we've kind of been sold a lie in that regard. So yeah, I'm, that's another reason, like I said, I was pumped about this conversation because there's so much that goes into the little steps and how they actually work and how our brains do real behavior change. I remember I had a conversation with a gym owner a couple years ago. She was on the podcast and her program was like, lose, I don't know, lose 20 pounds by your next big event. And she's like, but what I didn't say, I mean, of course you create a tagline to get people interested, but she's like, but what I didn't write in parentheses was, and you better have at least 20 weeks before this event. (laughs) But we don't say that part, right? Because yes. that's not what brings customers in the door. So we say the flashy things, but for the person who's just scrolling aimlessly and looking at it, they're just seeing the flashy titles and they think that that's actually how it works. Yeah. Yeah. The instant so, gratification. It's man, we, we so want instant gratification and it's, 
It's tough. I mean, you can't blame people for wanting it. I mean, I do too. Like I'm, of course, you know, if I'm trying to get a new PR in my squat or my deadlift, or if I, you know, want to tone up for whatever. And so I want to lose a few pounds. Like I want it to happen immediately, but I just have to kind of bring myself back and, and remind myself that no, it doesn't work that way. It takes time. It's a process, trust the process. And I think too, the, the, perfectionist mentality that we have about it too, thinking that you have to be a hundred percent on your program or your diet or your plan, or you're not going to get the results. And so then at the first stumble, the first like blip where we, you know, go off plan, eat the Reese's cup, but you know, it wasn't in, in the meal plan or what have you, then it's like, oh, well I failed. And now I may as well just go totally off the rails. It's like, no, that's, that is not it at all. Again, I don't know if that's a marketing thing or just what we've been sold kind of as a culture of this perfectionist mentality, you know, with everything being so curated on social media and stuff like that. Now, I'm not really sure where that comes from, to be honest with you, but man, if we could just know, yeah, you can mess up and then just get right back on track and it doesn't matter. You know, what matters is the consistent day in, day out, the small, unsexy stuff, really. Yeah. And maybe that's a, a message to us health professionals too. We need to do a better job at saying when you mess up, not yeah. if you mess up at day 16. No, when you mess up on day one, <laughs> this is what we're going to do because it's going to yeah. happen, right? Mm-hmm. When you mess up again on day two, <laughs> this is what we're going to do. So I'm always a big fan of letting my clients know what to expect along the process. So that way, when they reach that step, they don't think there's something wrong with them, that they failed and they're the ones that can't do the thing well. It's no, everybody has this thought when they get to this part. And this is how we're going to talk ourselves through it when we get there. So I think, like you said, maybe, you know, maybe we're contributing inadvertently to the message by not being clear with when you mess up because it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it helps having a plan for when things go wrong. Cause they will, I mean, life happens to all of us, you know, whether it's a kid gets sick and you have to go get them out of school early. So that means you're not going to work out on your way home from work, or, you know, you can't make it to the grocery store because you're caring for a sick kid, whatever the thing is, but life always finds a way to get in the way. And so if we don't have a contingency plan, again, it's kind of setting ourselves up for failure because if we already know it's going to happen, We need to then have a plan. It's like people who, um, you know, if you're all or nothing, that all or nothing approach, it's like, oh, if I can't get in this perfect workout, you know, where I have like my cutest clothes on and I go to the gym and I get my protein shake afterwards and then I can shower and get ready. If I can't do all of that, which in most people's mind is like a three hour process, if I can't do all that, well, I'm not, I'm just not going to do anything. It's like, well, but that doesn't make sense either. You know, like, sure. If that's your goal workout, but how many days does your goal workout actually happen? It's very few and far between if you're like most people. But if you just commit to showing up, no matter what it looks like, if you make that commitment, you're going to get to your results so much faster than trying to figure out how can I get more of those perfect workouts in? It's just, yeah, having having the plan for when we fail, I think is just as important as whatever your actual plan is because it's going to happen. We already know it up front. So you may as well have that contingency plan in advance. Yeah. 
Yeah, you just reminded me when you were saying with the cute outfits, that's what we see on it on Instagram, right? All the people in their cute outfits. I'm like, are they even working out? Or are we just I... take we're just doing a photo shoot in our outfits? Because that is not how I look when I do a workout. <laughs> Same. Don't get me wrong. I like cute outfits. You know, I spend a lot of time in workout clothes and stuff, but yeah, that's not real life. That's not how it goes. Yeah. But it's great. You know, it's like cute. It does serve as some sort of motivation maybe not the motivation that we always need, but I mean, it serves its purpose. So I get that, but yeah, there's just so much more to it that we're just not in the moment. We're not realizing. And, and again, I think that does us a disservice if we're trying to make our workouts all Instagrammable because then they're probably not that great of workouts if we're worried about filming everything. So that's for sure. So why do you think it is that we are attracted to hard, complicated things? Like we talked about, oh, we got to keep it simple and we got to create plans, but you know, there's thing. Okay. So let's take uh, one of the more recent things that have been out like 75 hard, right? So I'll let you um, describe what 75 hard is because you probably can do a better job of it than me. Um, But why do you think we're so attracted to hard programs like that instead of the simple, easy things. Well, so 75 hard is, it's so funny that you bring this up because I was actually looking, I'm I'm doing a YouTube series of kind of like workouts and methods and and things that we have been sold on that they should work. And if they don't, then like, we're the problem again, it's, it's constantly we're the problem. But so 75 hard is this program that you do. And they actually on the website, it's funny because they don't even consider it a workout program. I think they call it like a mental toughness training program or something like that. So, but it's this really intense workout program and it's, it's really big on social media because it's very Instagrammable. You can say like, I did it. You can use the hashtag. You can like, it's, it's just, it's trendy and yeah, it works if you do the whole thing, but it's really hard to do the whole thing for 75 days. It, hard for anybody, let alone, you know, someone who's not used to working out, who doesn't have it in their schedule to do that yet. But I think we're attracted to hard things like that because if it's too easy, it's not going to get those big results that we want. It's not going to make that big of a difference. If it's too easy, it's like, oh, well, am I really committed? Do I really want that? Like I had a client, I was just trying to get her to do something for five minutes every day. And she's like, well, five minutes a day, it's going to be a waste of my time. So I'm not going to do anything. I was like, wait a minute. If you can't even give me five minutes though, how are you telling me that you're going to give me 30? Like, it, do you see the kind of the incongruity here that you're willing to tell me like, yeah, I'll go hard. I'll go all out for 30 minutes and that's going to be effective and awesome. And i say, okay, that's great. If But if you can only do that once or twice a week, and I want you to do just something for five minutes every day, she's like, well, but five minutes, it's not going to do anything. I'm like, I need like, you know, it's, it's like struggling to make the connection here of it's not the one time effort that feels so hard. And like, you want to puke and throw up, that's going to make the impact and the lasting results. Again, it's showing up and committing to yourself day in and day out, even when you don't want to show up. And if that means doing five minutes every day, do the five minutes. And then eventually it becomes six and seven and you can build on it. But if you're just counting on these kind of one-off workouts that you like go run a marathon and then you don't do anything for six months, it's just not going to work. But for some reason in our minds, if it's not hard enough, we're not committed enough. We're not going to get big enough change. It's like, it's this weird thing again, that we've, we've gotten in our heads and. I don't know where it comes from. 
Yeah. Well, like I said, we just think condition. If we do the hard things, yeah. we'll get the great results. The problem is yeah. we're not even good at doing the easy things. So therefore we're back to no results or um, some of the things I'll hear in the office. Oh, it's not working. I'm like, well, hold on a sec. It's, is it really not working or have you not consistently tried it to, to allow it to work? And yeah. then usually it's like, well, yeah, maybe it's more that, right? Because mm -hmm. we try it one time, it doesn't work. And then we're, we throw it out the window as, as a viable option. So talk yeah. to me a little bit about what are, what do small steps look like? I mean, you mentioned just starting out with five minutes a day of, of movement, any type of activity. What are some of the other recommendations you give as examples? Yeah, I honestly, I think it's something, whatever the big lofty goals that we have that you envision yourself doing in the future, breaking it down into something that you can realistically see yourself doing it doesn't have to be every day. I like everyday stuff because it just becomes part of your routine. And so to me, it's easier than saying like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because I can't, I don't even know what day it is. So those, those type of habits are hard for me. So I'm an everyday type of person and breaking down. So maybe it's, if you want to become a runner, if you want to become someone who eats a salad every day, if you want to drink your water every day, like whatever the thing is, break it down into something that you can see yourself doing right now where you're at every single day. So I think what we do is we say, oh, I want to run a marathon or I want to, I want to be able to, you know, just run every day. And so we think that, okay, that means I need to, today, I need to just go run three miles today. It's like, no, you don't, just because you want to become that doesn't mean you are that today, just because you decided you have to work up to that. So if you want to drink half your body weight in ounces, that's when I hear consistently about hydration, drink half your body weight in ounces of water every day. Well, it's probably not a great idea to try to choke down, you know, a hundred ounces of water every day. If you drink two cups right now, um, it's just such a massive change. So whatever you can realistically see yourself doing, and even if you don't think it's going to make a difference, start something today that you can do, whether you have the highest motivation or you're at your lowest motivation. So an, an example that I use a lot is um, I feel really strong when I'm able to do push-ups. Like I'm, I'm not, I traditionally haven't been very strong upper body, but I feel really strong and really capable when I can. So I started a habit stack where I, every time I used the restroom, I would do two push-ups. And when you tell people like, yeah, I can do two push-ups, it sounds so silly, but also two push-ups is almost so silly. It's why wouldn't I do that? You know, I can do two push-ups, And so then if I'm like, mm, I don't really feel like doing them. I'm like, come on, it's only two push-ups. you know? So I can build on that habit. And then before you know it, like at one point I was doing five to 10 push-ups, you know, depending on where I was in the habit. And it's like little stuff like that, that we don't give credit to is what really makes all the difference. Because when you think about it in reverse, like if you have 20 extra pounds to lose, you didn't gain that overnight. It was probably, you know, a handful of the work bowl candies here. And it might've been an extra cookie there at the barbecue, you know, and it, it all happens over time. But then when it comes time to reverse it, we want it instantly, but that's just, we don't work that way. So it's kind of doing the things that got us into our unhealthy scenarios or our not ideal scenarios. It's the things that got us to there it's the same exact things that are going to get us out. So it's, I think just breaking it down into realistically, what can you see yourself doing every single day without fail? 
even on the days where you want nothing else, like you would rather do anything else, but you'll still do that thing. You're keeping it. That's a good measure of, is this something sustainable on my worst yeah. day? Would I still be willing to do this? If the answer is, I guess, yeah, I would then, then, yeah. you know, you're at a good starting place. Yes. Yes. Oh, awesome. That's a really easy way to kind of start, start, start figuring out where to start. If that makes sense. If I'm mm-hmm. making so, as I say, is it helpful to kind of write this down to kind of look at? Okay, this is where I'm at. Like, I can't do a push-up, and I would like to be a person that can do ten push-ups. Mm-hmm. At, at, you know, at any given moment, I can do ten push-ups. And then looking at, all right, so I'm here at zero. I'd like to be able to do ten. Let's start ridiculously small. Let's just start at one push up a day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Honestly, and make it part of your routine. Maybe it's, you know, before you get in the shower, you do a push up. And maybe you can start with a wall push up if you can't do an actual push up or start, you know, modified from your knees, wherever you need to start, because you're not going to stay there. That's, I think, where we get stuck is that we think whatever, like we, wherever we set our bar right now, it can only, that's it. You know, we can't improve on that, which again, sounds silly when we say it out loud, but no, if you have to do one modified pushup every single day for a whole year before you can even do one real pushup. So what? Because you weren't going to be able to do one real pushup just instantly tomorrow, even if you willed yourself to be able to do it. So, so what if it takes a year of doing that? What? I mean, there literally is no consequence if it takes you that long, other than it takes you that long. And that time would have passed anyways. So you get to your result because you kept consistently working at it, or you just then come to the realization like, well, I guess I'm never going to be able to do pushups. And it's like, well, that's not like the two alternatives is like, well, why wouldn't you just do the baby steps? So it's, yeah, it's, it's such a, goofy thing that we've talked ourselves into. And we, again, we were kind of talking about it before we were recording, but of equating easy is not effective. And I think that highlights this right here of if it's too easy, if it's too simple, and I don't think it's going to be effective, why would I do it? But that is actually what's effective is the easy, simple stuff that we are willing to do over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to even think in like, as we're having this conversation, like what are some of those mental blocks that I've had in my own life? Like when it comes to like pull-ups, I really, really want to be able to do pull-ups. Even if I could just do like two, I think, but am I doing anything about it? No, because I'm like, oh, they're really hard and it's really uncomfortable to practice them. And so I just won't do it. And then another year will go by and I will still not do any pull-ups and I will do all these other exercises because they feel more comfortable. And I'm like, well, if I do enough of those exercises, maybe then I'll be able to do a pull-up when the reality is I just need to practice pull-ups. Yeah. I was actually in literally in that same boat. And so what I did, we have a doorway that's at the top of our stairs. And every time I would go upstairs, we put a pull-up bar in that doorway. Every time I would go upstairs, I would do one pull-up. And at first I had to do modified. I had to use a band. So an assisted pull-up. And I would do one pull-up and I felt quite honestly, I felt silly. I'm like, who has, and especially like, you're just, you're doing one and it's this weird thing every time you go upstairs and like, so, and because then obviously when I was out and about, like in town, every time I went upstairs, I was like, Ooh, should find a way to do a pull-up, you know, like it, it gets in your head of just those little habits, but that's how our brains are wired. 
And then eventually I was able to do a couple modified pull-ups and then, you know, so I just kept building on it, but um, this process took months and months before I was able to do a real pull-up. And then I slowly worked my way up to, I had this goal just of being able to do five pull-ups, five real pull-ups. And it was funny just the other day, I, cause I haven't done them in a long time, but that pull-up bar is still there. And I was like, I wonder if I can still do a pull-up and sure enough did a pull-up. And I was like, okay, that's good. Like, I don't need to do anymore. I still got it. I'm good. Yep. <laughs> So it sounds like um, one of the things that can be really helpful when it comes to creating these small goal-oriented, uh, well, I'll call them small action or small goal-oriented action items. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. You get what I'm trying to say is to yeah. sync it to other things. You keep repeating yeah. that over and over again. So like when you go up the yeah. stairs, do something. When you go to the bathroom, do something. What is the connection between syncing it to something else that's so helpful? So it's called habit stacking. I'd love to be able to claim that I came up with that term. I didn't, but it happens with everything that we do. So healthy habits or just regular in life kind of habits, we naturally stack things on top of each other into routines. So if you think about, for example, when you get into your car, odds are good that you do it the same way every time, you know, maybe you put your purse on the passenger side seat and then maybe you start the car and then you put your seatbelt on, or maybe you are a seatbelt and then start the car person, but odds are good. It's the same every single time. And it's because our brain likes it's, it's a habit essentially, because we can do it subconsciously. We don't have to devote any more mental energy to it. We don't have to think about it because life would be so tedious if you had to think through every single little minute action that we do. And so when we're trying to establish new habits, it's almost like putting a pattern interrupt in there of where can I fit this in? Like, how do, how am I going to remember to do this? And some people want to rely on post-it notes, which is fine. I mean, do that. I, there are certain situations where I'm all for it. Other people like to, you know, put a reminder in their phone or an alarm in their phone. I find that when I just attach it to something that I already do, that it's way easier. I, I don't need to spend as much mental energy remembering to do the thing if I attach it to something that I already do. So if it's like I was talking about doing, you know, push up before your morning shower, you already do the same morning routine most of the time. And so if you just kind of insert that in there and make it part of your routine after one, sometimes one, but after a couple of times, it just becomes like, oh, this is my new routine. This is just what I do. And so again, you don't have to devote any more mental energy to it. You just do it. And it doesn't, you don't need reminders. You don't need that like cue. The previous action is the cue to do the thing. Okay. So I'm just trying to think, what are some things that we do every day? So you said shower, brush our teeth. For me, it's wash dishes, laundry, <laughs> coffee, um, yeah, drinking a cup of coffee. That's a great yep. one. Going to the bathroom. Although I think I'd have to do the activity after my bladder's empty instead of yes. before. I don't think that would work yeah. well for me. Um, you said walk upstairs. That's mm -hmm. one. Maybe when there's you get the so mail. Many. Yep. Checking um, emails, texts. Like there's, oh my gosh, there's so many. Yeah. Oh, that's a great one. Before you check your email, I bet I would check it a lot less. <laughs> Or check like my Instagram account. I would definitely yeah. do a little bit less of that if every time, not to punish myself, but just yeah. as, you know, as a way that's something I definitely do every day. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I, I like being able to take, figure out how often do I want to do this habit and then just match it up with something that you already do. So if, whether it's daily, multiple times a day, even once a week, like if you want to 
I don't know, meal plan or meal prep or do, you know, something around that, maybe do it either right before, or right after you grocery shop. Like it's just kind of a natural segue, but instead of, you know, trying to find a separate devoted time, you can just kind of stack it on top of your grocery habit and it just becomes part of your routine. So there's lots of different ways. It doesn't have to be an everyday thing or a multiple times per day thing, just however often you want to do it, then just, you know, stack that. I mean, even if you're, if you're religious, you could, you know, before you go to church, you could do a gratitude practice, or, you know, maybe if you want to weigh yourself once a week, maybe you like, I don't know, you, before you eat your big Sunday dinner, you weigh yourself, like whatever it is, but there's all kinds of ways that we already find ways to do habit stacks. But the cool thing about it is we can use, it's kind of like a brain hack. When you know how your brain works, you can leverage it to work for you. So that's, that's why I love stacking my habits on top of other stuff I already do. Yeah. I love that idea. Another thing I thought about when you were talking about this, why we struggle with, with starting with the easy stuff. I mean, I think really what it comes down to is our ego, right? Like our ego gets in the way and we feel this like shame that we have to start so simple or we feel embarrassed, even though we're not telling anybody we're doing an assisted pull-up when we walk up the stairs. It's almost as if if anyone knew the secret about me, they would think less of me. Like, how do we get out of our own way? Oh, that's such a good question. I think it is. I mean, it's humbling when you are trying to make changes. It's a humbling process because typically the reason that the change comes about is either, well, God forbid, like something happened that's like a big scare and you have to make these big life changes. So hopefully that's not, you know, the the stimulus for change. But typically what it is, is we realize there's maybe something about ourselves that we don't like, something that we want to improve, something that maybe someone else told us they don't like, or that, you know, we should improve upon it. There's all kinds of ways that we kind of get told or tell ourselves that we need to change. And typically it's not for good reasons. Like, we think of it as a negative thing to be like, oh, you've changed. You know, it's always said like in a bad way when really the opportunity to change is really how can I make my life that much better? And so if we think of, if we reframe it and think of it of like, how can I live more well, essentially, or how can I live more fully? How can I show up better for my life, for my friends, for my family, for whoever, and it becomes this, oh, like I get to change. And then it becomes, oh, well, that's okay. If I'm like, yeah, I'm changing. This is a good thing. I'm progressing in my personhood, you know, however you want to think about it. Whereas when we think of like, oh, I need to lose weight or I, I don't like the way I look in this, or, you know, I got my numbers back from my doctor and I need to change this. It's a negative thing. And so then the change becomes like the process of changing also becomes a negative. And so then it's like, well, I'm not going to change enough or it's not going to be enough or, you know, there, there's all like the negative stuff comes washing in. And so then that makes its way into the process of changing when our behavior change, it happens the same way, like it structurally in our brain, it happens the same way, whether it's positive or negative, but then it's how we feel about it. So like you mentioned shame of, you know, maybe there's something going on that, you know, it does feel shameful to feel like you have to lose weight or you got a bad comment on social media that you feel like really sh ashamed of. And that change just feels really different than I don't feel good in my body and I really want to feel better, you know, so I'm going to make these, I'm going to do these things so that I can make that change. 
So I, I think it's just how we typically perceive the desire to change our behavior. It's usually negative. So if we can kind of get out of that negative spiral that we find ourselves in, I think we'll see ourselves progressing a lot quicker and quite frankly, a lot more enjoyable ways. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Do you find it's helpful to share your your habit changes or your goals with other people? Or, you know, does that make it even harder because now you have, does that accountability help or does it make it more challenging because now you don't want to um, let somebody down? I think for most people, an added accountability is super beneficial. Uh, I think sharing your journey with other people not only gives you kind of that the extra boost of like oh now people are watching you know not but having it be a supportive accountability so not again not the negative like judgy like you know pressures on i gotta change type of stuff but whereas if you were in an environment where you have the support system like the tough love almost to say remember why you you wanted this change remember why you wanted it and I'm here to support you in doing that. And there's, there's no judgment, but people cheering you on because they odds are good. They are also on a similar journey. So like I have a membership and that's what it is inside that online community is each woman is on her own health journey and has different goals, whether it's, you know, they want to run a race or they want to lose the baby weight or what have you, but seeing them cheer each other on is not only a way to support each other, but it's a way that they motivate themselves because it feels really good to cheer someone else on. And then they get that kind of that like endorphin boost for themselves of like, oh, she's doing such a good job. Like, oh, I want to do a good job too, you know? So I think sharing, as long as it's in that supportive kind of community, I think can be so beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So I wanted you to walk us through, you kind of already talked about like identifying what are some of those simple changes and how we go about with habit stacking. Um, I wanted you to talk a little bit about when you are, when you're facing a smaller goal versus a bigger goal, meaning, okay, so let's use the term of, of weight loss. You know, somebody who has 10 pounds to lose versus somebody who has 75 pounds to lose. Are the small changes different in those circumstances, the bigger, loftier goal? Do you have to break them down more so? Because I'll be honest with you, I find my clients that only have 10 pounds to lose struggle more than the people who have 75 pounds to lose. Talk to me about that. Why is it? And what are what do we need to do to fix that so that both can meet their goals? Yeah, I think the the level of hard obviously is relative. So it may be like losing 10 pounds to someone might feel as big of a deal as losing 75 pounds is to someone else. And so I think, you know, first off, it helps to kind of get out of the comparison game and I'm guilty of it too. Uh, but I think just knowing that the bigger that your goal is, typically the longer it's gonna take. But even if your goal is smaller, odds are good. It's still going to take longer than you want it to take. <laughs> I think both you can attest to this and I know I can, but patience is one of the most underrated tools when it comes to getting results, because it's, it 
just takes longer than we want it to. And that sucks, but it just does. And so even if you are wanting to lose 10 pounds, those small changes, they are going to add up. Let's say if you're losing a pound a week over 10 weeks, whereas if you have 75 pounds to lose and you're losing a pound a week, obviously that's 75 weeks, it just takes longer because it's a bigger goal, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's easier for someone to lose the 10 pounds. And so by that, I mean, maybe they are already doing a lot of really healthy things. And so making a small change isn't going to be as, um, the small change, but it's not going to have as big of an impact as it would. If someone who say doesn't have as many healthy habits makes this one small change, it may have more of an impact because of the overall lifestyle factors of things. So in that regard, I think for someone who only has 10 pounds to lose, it can still take 75 weeks and that's okay because as long as you're still on track to lose it, you're still going to get to that end result. And so if feeling that way, how you, however you feel at the end of that 10 pound loss, if that's your end result, then, then great. Like if that's how you want to feel, but I also think that the end result is typically, we think, oh, once I'll get there then something will happen, but really that's something that, that needs to happen. It needs to start now. And then you get to that end result. So by that, I mean, if you're someone who wants to lose weight, you're not going to feel a certain way when you lose that weight, you need to start feeling that way. Like start loving your body, start taking care of your body, start doing those things now so that the end result is you are the person who lost the weight. So it's almost like just recognizing that the the result that you want, you need to start making that change today. Like start pretending you are that person today. Like what would that person do today? And then the results kind of take care of themselves. Right. You you won't automatically just become a different person because you weigh 10 pounds less. Yeah. You're still going to have the same thoughts. You're still going to have the same insecurities. You're still going to have the same... Um, level of motivation, like nothing changes just because your clothing size is smaller. Correct. Yeah. I had actually, I recently watched a Ted talk and I did a training on it in my membership, but I, I was like mind blown type of moment because this woman got up and she had lost a very significant amount of weight, like 150 pounds, but she was giving this Ted talk about how her body, even 150 pounds ago, she was like, it was perfect. It was perfectly reacting to everything that I was giving it, you know, all the inputs, all the stimulus, all the information. And, and it was kind of like, if you're a computer junkie, like I am, it was Geico where they say garbage in garbage out. It's like, if you, all you're giving your body is kind of this garbagey stuff, like not moving your body, not feeding it stuff that feels good, then yeah, your, your body's going to have kind of this garbage out, but you're not going to feel good. You're going to be tired. You're not going to have energy, all that stuff. And she was like, but my body did exactly what I was telling it to do. So I knew if I wanted something different, if I wanted a different body, if I wanted a different mentality, she's like, I had to change the inputs. And I was just like, this is such a beautiful way because our bodies are awesome. Like even when we're feeding it so much crap, it still fends off disease and like does all this amazing stuff and gets us from A to B and, you know, like still operates really well. And it's like, that is it, our bodies are perfect. But so then if we can give it better inputs it's like, whoa, it's, it's just, it, it's mind blowing. And so I was, yeah, I, I saw that and I was just like, man, how do we not like, how's this message not everywhere? Right. Sometimes you just need to hear things in a different way and a different voice. And all of a sudden light bulbs explode everywhere. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and it just resonates. So it sounds like you yeah. had that moment. Oh, um, I did. Well, cause we all think of like, Oh, your body's perfect. Love your body. And, and she was like, I'm, that is what I'm saying, but in a different frame of mind where she's like, your body is doing perfectly what you're asking it of it. And I was like, yeah, it is. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, and ultimately if you want it just to change a little bit, you start with those, those little habits. Exactly. So, so what are your top three tips to get started? Like, I understand what you're saying. I have a goal in mind. This is what I want to accomplish. Is it kind of the same for everybody or do you have to kind of make it, make it your own? Like, what would you say to somebody who wants to get started? Yeah. The first thing that I actually have all of my clients do, and I, I know that I'm biased because fitness is my jam. Like that's my forte side of things. Uh, but I have all my clients start there, even though I know, and most of them know weight loss actually happens in the kitchen but I have them start with some type of movement because it is the lowest hanging fruit. It is so easy, so simple. You literally just have to start walking, like, you know, dance around in your kitchen, do some jumping jacks, something like that. And you get that immediate feedback. And that's what I love about it. It's this automatic endorphin rush, this feeling of success. You get to check that box for the day and just the once a day thing, because for eating, most of us eat multiple times a day. And so if you start with nutrition for me, what I found with my clients, because I don't do specific meal plans. Like I'm not, uh, you know, a registered dietitian. I don't, I, I don't go that far into the weeds for the food stuff, but if they try to start there, typically what happens is one meal or one snack or one thing, if that gets derailed, the whole thing gets derailed. And so I'm like, we can't start with that. I need you to start with success. So you gain the confidence and build the momentum. So I start everyone with moving some sort of way, even the ones that don't like working out, I convince them to just do something and I get them moving consistently so that they can feel again, that sense of accomplishment and just feeling like, okay, I can do this and then just work up from there. So whether it's these really small food changes after that, like I had one client, she was like, sweet tea is my downfall. She's like, I will drink cups and cups and cups of sweet tea. Like just, you know, may as well be on tap. And I was like, well, have you ever thought of like crystal light, sweet tea, you know, like this, just, just something like a little switch. And she's like, I never even considered it. I'm like, it's, you know, so we often think again, it has to be these huge, do a pantry clean out and only get fresh vegetables and produce, all stuff it can be these really small incremental changes that add up. So I start everyone with some type of movement and I specifically don't say exercise, just some type of movement. And then once they do that consistently, then we start moving on to the food stuff, kind of the mindset side of things, like kind of branching out from there, determining, you know, depending on what their goals are. But to me, it all starts with movement because so much changes when you just start moving your body. Yeah. Yeah. And the benefits, oh my goodness. The yeah. overall health benefits and, and mind benefits. If somebody wanted to make a change about a behavior, like let's say they want to stop eating at night, mm -hmm. how would you go about making that recommendation? So the first thing I would say is, is figure out why are you eating at night? You know, if, if we're talking about you just ate dinner and then for some reason, you know, it's like you sit down to watch TV, like your favorite Real Housewives episodes like I do, and, you know, you need a bowl of chips or popcorn or something or chocolate. 
like, well, is it because you didn't eat enough at dinner? Like you were, you know, kind of tricked yourself into being like, oh, I'm going to, you know, kind of on a diet, I'm going to eat less at dinner. And then you're ravenous at night. Like, is that why? Or is it a habit? Is it you just associate now, like your nighttime relaxation includes some type of crunchy snack? Is that the connection? Like what, why are you actually doing it? And then we can get into like the ways of going about this. So you could eat a bigger dinner, you know, have more protein at dinner. So you're not hungry later on. If it's just a habit, you add some friction in there, like add something of like, don't keep that popcorn in the house, you know, something like that, where it just adds the friction just enough to say, well, I guess I don't actually need, I'm not hungry. I don't need this while I'm watching, you know, Real Housewives of Miami. <laughs> I just, I want it because that's what I always do. Or maybe you just add in, drink a glass of water before you start eating to see, am I thirsty or am I hungry? You know, there's all kinds of ways that we can figure out why are you doing that? And then what can we do instead? How can we kind of solve that problem? But like, for me, I'm a chocolate junkie. So after dinner, there's always something. And so I found this, I, these lint chocolate bars, they have 10 squares. And I know that because they last a week. Cause I don't let myself have more than two squares after dinner. Like that's my thing. And I'm like, because it satisfies that craving, but I don't bring the whole chocolate bar with me. I just grab those two pieces and that's enough. That's good. And then, you know, I'm satisfied. Whereas I know myself, if I were to bring the whole chocolate bar with me, I would eat the whole chocolate. Yeah. Well, and I like that because a lot of times when people identify like, oh, I want to stop eating at night. The first thing they think they have to do is completely cut off all, all food. I just can't mm -hmm. eat. And they think in their head that when I get to that point, it's going to be okay. My brain's going to be happy with that, yeah. that, that decision. And then they come to find their brain is actually the opposite of okay with it. It's pretty ticked off. And now it's throwing a temper tantrum because you clearly have forgotten that eating at eight o'clock is what we do. It's our thing. And you're abandoning me. And now I'm going to make you miserable until you go back to your old habit. Yes. Um, so even just like you said, maybe step one is just grab a glass of water before you have your snack. Mm-hmm. Even on your worst day, when you don't feel like it, you can talk yourself into just getting a glass of water before your snack. Yeah. Right? Because even then it adds, like I said, it adds that little bit of friction and an opportunity for you to say, am I really hungry? Do I actually want to eat this? Or do I want the feeling from eating? You know, do I want just the satisfaction or the crunch or the whatever it is? But, but it gives you that moment to, to evaluate, do I actually want this or am I just doing this out of habit? And I think a lot of us, myself included, just eat a lot out of habit. You know, it's there. So I eat it type of thing. And if we actually kind of pull ourselves out and, and look at the moment, you know, like an out of body experience of like, are you actually eating this because you want it or it's just routine now? It's what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Just a little bit of friction. Yep. Perfect. Well, Coach Mac, this conversation has been awesome because I think you, like I said in the beginning of the episode, you were going to give us a lot of really practical tips, um, maybe things that we've heard before, but in a slightly different way, or maybe just brand new ideas like, oh yeah, why didn't I think of that? Um, and I love the fact that, you know, just realizing we do need to check our egos at the door when it comes to small changes, because if, if research and science and just a multitude of people who have been successful say that this is the way we change behaviors. At some point we have to be like, okay, then 
maybe I need to give this a try instead of just yeah. being like, no, that won't work because it's not good enough. Let me go find the next hard program and throw myself at that for a day and a half until I quit. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That might be a little like, dramatic, I, but that's kind of yeah. how it, uh, Well, I out. tell my clients, you know, we're going, if you try to go from zero to a hundred, the end goal is a hundred. Well, if you go from zero to one and one to two and so on, you're still going to get to a hundred and you're actually going to get there though, instead of trying the whole, the total 180 that you know, isn't sustainable. So it's just a matter of, yeah, checking your ego and understanding it's just, it's going to take longer than we want, but time's going to pass anyways. So you may as well do it. Yeah. I think I read somewhere, think about a realistic estimated time that it would take you to get there. So based off of recommendations and then go ahead and double it. Yeah. It's and exactly. now you're in a better place. Now you're in more of a realistic time frame. So I want to lose 10 pounds. I should lose two pounds a week. So that should be five weeks. Mm-hmm. So let's take five. Let's just right off the back, double it, maybe even triple it. And now we're in a healthier place. So yes, yes, that can always 100%. be helpful too. All right. Well, Coach Mac, this was awesome. Where can we um, learn more about you or follow you and some more of your tips? Where do we find you? Yeah. So running with bacon is my website, runningwithbacon.com. And I'm on Instagram. I have a YouTube channel, um, just search running with bacon and I pop up. So it's the beauty of having that kind of a name, <laughs> not awesome. hard to find. We will definitely do that. And then coach Mac, we always end our conversations with a recipe. And when I have a guest, you get to share the recipe. So is there something that um, is one of your favorite go-to ideas, maybe for a meal or a snack? We'd love to hear it. Yes. One of my favorites is a protein shake that is chocolate, peanut butter, and banana. And so what I do is I take in a blender, I take a cup of milk, you can use water too, but I do a cup of milk, a banana, a scoop of chocolate protein, some peanut butter. And I've even used that dried peanut butter powder, which is also delicious and blend it up with some ice. If you want some extra fiber and goodness, I do chia seeds and flax sometimes as well, but just blend it up with lots of ice. And it's, it tastes like dessert. I mean, it's so good. And as a Reese's cup lover, I am very picky about what chocolate peanut butter combination stuff is. And it is so, so good. I cannot recommend it enough. And it gives you that little extra protein boost too. So it does, even though it's a snack, it keeps you fuller for longer too. I was just going to say, when do you, is this something you do like in the afternoons when that chocolate fix starts? Because I know you said you do the chocolate squares at night. So <laughs> yes. or are we doing all the chocolate? <laughs> all the chocolate all the time. Got it. No, so you don't really it's really whatever kind of if like it, I didn't get to eat a big enough lunch or, you know, if like that just that hunger pangs start hitting like in the afternoon, if I had a really hard workout the day before, it's usually that next day where I could eat everything under the sun. And so that extra protein shake, it just hits the spot. And how many grams of protein do you recommend in your protein powders? So I think the one I use is 20 grams per scoop. Mm -hmm. Sounds about right. Um, so yeah, I, I find that it's just enough. I've experimented with doing two scoops or even like one and a half. And it just, I don't know, the one scoop is just, that's the sweet spot for me. And that's a really good point. Like you don't have to do the recommendation. Like if it doesn't feel yeah. good to you, mess around with it, play with it, make it your own. Yeah, exactly. That's hard for us type A rule followers, <laughs> but, but it, it's actually how it works. So in all things. 
<laughs> so Coach Mac, thank you again. We do appreciate your time and your expertise. And um, I think you made this really practical and a lot of fun. So I think, you know, you're going to have a lot of clients or at least my clients or listeners. It's the hope that they, you know, will take this information and start start making it their own and start to finally feel like they can see some changes. So we just appreciate you and everything you do. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. I I'm glad to hear that it was helpful. And yeah, I would love to see if you guys, if you're starting small and you need motivation, whatever, just tag me, message me. I'm all for, I, I do the social part of social media. So I'm more than happy to cheer you on. Yes. Yes. For that accountability, find your right, yes. find yes. your right people to cheer you on. That's so important. Exactly. All right, guys, that's what we have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us as always. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.